0: Yeah, I don't know how we reconcile that. I mean, like James said, we'll figure it out. But yeah, I would challenge everybody. Like figure out a way to challenge your 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 worldview. Um, like when the January 6th happened, I put out an episode called America We Have a Problem. And one of the challenges I put, I said, hey, I need you to go volunteer with people you would never volunteer with before. Like if you are living in Nashville, do not dare go volunteer. And you go to First Baptist Church, don't go to volunteer with First Baptist Church. I want you to go to a mosque and I want you to volunteer with those people. I want you to put yourself so far out of your comfort zone with people you would never interact with to where it forces you to change the mindset of, could I possibly be wrong? Because the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th never asked themselves the question, could I possibly be wrong? Last year and the year before, we started with how like just trash AirPods are. And you know what we have to start with this year again? How trash AirPods are. Drew, you ran in your AirPods in the rain, sweat, manhood, just dripping all over them all the time. You know what you tried to do? You tried to connect to this podcast with your AirPods. You know what you have to do? You have to go get your wife's. You had to be that just last second, babe. Can I please put my earwax on your on your AirPods? Type of a situation. How do you feel about this?
1: Sometimes authentic manhood is knowing when to ask your wife to borrow her headphones.
0: 100%. 100%. Welcome to the 2021 Head Trash Trash Podcast. What's up, guys?
2: What's up? What's up? Happy to be in this thing.
0: I got James. What's up? I got Drew. It's an annual tradition. Little did you know you were signing up for a requirement every single year on Millennial Manhood.
2: Is this the first episode I've been on this year? No. I think so. I don't think so. You sure?
0: Yes, I think we did a book club episode. We, we might not did. have, yeah. but I, th- I feel like we did a book club episode. Drew and I actually went golfing earlier today, and uh, I don't know about you, Drew, but I'm exhausted, very, very tired.
1: That is, that's one word to describe what happened out there. I don't know that I would use the word golfing, but it was. There were good moments. There were bad moments. <laughs> it was humbling, but it was good because it was free. <laughs> it was, so, yeah, obviously had the plug. It was, had the guy with the I free did have golf,
0: the plug. so it was sweet i did and one of the most exclusive clubs around so we uh we we definitely we got in at the very end before we canceled this membership on december 31st so uh we uh we got that in yeah we we didn't play golf we played jolf is what i call it uh, i'm not good enough to play golf i played jolf dj olf so i mean for folks who've listened to the old head trashed episodes it's pretty much just freeform we just chat for 45 minutes to an hour, just talk about life, all the different changes, all the different things. I guess we can just start, you know, people listen to me all the time on this podcast, so I don't really have to give an update. But let's start with James and Drew. You know, James, what's been going on in 2021 that's uh, that's new?
2: My whole life is new. Um, there is almost nothing that's going on right now at this point of the year that was going on at the beginning of the year. Other than me living in Texas, being married to the same woman, that's pretty much the, same. the only thing that's the same. So, as many of your guests know, who have listened to the podcast and know me, I'm an old fan favorite. You know, um, since day one. Was, since day one, I'm a day one. So yeah, I was training podcast. for training for the Olympics, Olympic trials in the 800 meters, and that is no longer on my on my plate. So uh, my goal was to go through 2020. I made the trials in 2016, and I was going to go for another shot in 2020. Then the good old pandemic came, knocked that out the way, and I had to re- gear up again for 2021, and now I'm old and I'm, I'm hanging up my spikes. <laughs> and now I'm back in the real world. I started a new job back in August after I finished my training at the end of June. Didn't make the trials, um but no regrets because I was able to put everything out there. So I'm, I'm thrilled with what I was able to do in my career. Thrilled with the the goals I chased and who I became in the process. I hope I was a better person. You know, so. Now, back in the working world, um, my wife also has a new job. We both have long commutes, so we're adjusting to that. We got a baby on the way next April. Uh, I don't think I've announced that on a public forum. So, you know, Millennium Manhood hears it first. And then, then um, we're exclusive. moving to a new house in April oh, also. Yeah. So it's kind of like a photo finish to see who's going to be here first the baby or the house.
0: That's the and worst timing I've ever heard of. In it my is life. the
2: absolute worst timing. And, and on top of that, I'm a tax accountant, and April 15th is right in there with the due date. So I don't know if I'm going to make it through April. I hope I will. We'll have to check back in to the end of year 2022 to see if I made it. But uh, that's pretty much my life right now, just adjusting like crazy. A lot of great things happening, a lot of great changes, but I am going to be a totally different person at the end of 2022. I'm 100% sure of that.
1: Hmm.
0: Oh, and before Drew starts, you did, I just looked it up. We did a book club on Irresistible in
2: March. Ah, man, that feels like it was 2020. It does. It feels like forever ago. No concept but. of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Drew,
0: what's going on in 2021? What's new with you?
1: Mm. Well, first of all, congrats to James. That's awesome. Like fatherhood, come on. I appreciate um, it.
2: Yeah, let's go. That's, let's go.
1: It's awesome. Uh, We just started sharing the news on our end as well, that my wife and I are expecting a baby in July. And so uh, we're right there with you. And it's just such an exciting thing. Uh, We're pumped about it. So it hits you in different ways, like every single day. That's been the thing that's so new this year, even though we've only found out a few weeks ago, and uh, it won't really make the full change until next year. But that's a a big change sneaking in here at the end of the year is how you view the world and what you think is important and what you want to spend your time on. All of that changes really quickly when you realize you've got a baby coming on the way. Um, We're kind of similar to you in what you shared on what happened this year. There was a lot of maybe highlight or big events. I was just thinking about running a couple of marathons still on the goal to try and do one in every state So did one in Kentucky and did one in Virginia. And then, uh, we traveled a lot. We went to New York city and to Utah and just learned a lesson of what it's like to totally overbook yourself around the holidays and like have no margin in your schedule whatsoever. And we got blitzed on like eight of nine weekends in a row where we were traveling and out of town. So, um, That was quite the experience. And then we bought our first house this summer and it's been a huge blessing. But I think I figured out how you become a dad in your fifties who just knows how to fix everything. It's because you're gonna be somebody in your twenties and thirties who just like flounders around fixing things and figuring out how to do stuff that you've never done before. And that was probably the big theme of homeownership is like learning how to fix a water heater and climb on a roof and some dumb neighborhood kids gonna shoot the windows out of your truck with a BB gun and just like all sorts of fun responsibility for property and homeownership. Mm. So a lot of life lessons learned this year, um, but it was we're just thankful to get through it.
0: Well, that's exciting. Again, I saw you earlier. Drew and I have spent a, a very long day together. <laughs> Actually, we went we got into breakfast, then I tricked him into coming to golf, so then we golfed. <laughs> and now we're podcasting, so we've uh we've seen a lot of each other today. Um, so I've already congratulated him in person, but I I want to make sure we, we touch on this because I think this is the biggest, you know, expecting the soonest, uh, as in like four weeks. Um, but you said something about like the way it changes the way you view the world. I I want, I want us to harp on that a little bit. Like, what do you mean, Drew, when you say changes the way you view the world?
1: Well, the way that my wife told me was somewhat out of the blue, like, and I've seen so many people on the internet, like up with these elaborate ways to tell your spouse, like, Hey, this is what's happening. And I think we were just so overwhelmed and excited. And it seemed like such a big deal that it was like, we got home and Sarah just pulled out a pregnancy test and was like, Hey, guess what? <laughs> and there was more to it than that. But it was just like in this one moment, um, there's a before and there's an after and the, Goals that I was making for this upcoming year of like how I was going to spend my time or places that we wanted to go see or things we wanted to do financially. Like, it's crazy. Within like 10 seconds of her telling me that, I was like, none of that matters anymore. Like, it's, yeah, it's all compl- like out the window and we're going to figure it out. And it's funny, but like the stuff I was alluding to with having your first house and like fixing all these problems and, That you don't even know how to remotely tackle and you you just have the refrain like, we'll figure it out. I probably said we'll figure it out more times this year than I've ever said in my entire life. And that has to be like a precursor to what fatherhood is going to be like, because I have no idea how to realistically like change a diaper or make sure a baby has enough to eat or like understand health insurance so i clearly need to talk to you more about that but like all of the (laughs) ins and outs of what that's going to be um like you just you figure it out because in that moment what shifts the most is your priorities of like it's not about me at all and the this other living being is dependent on me for a lot of stuff and so it just it helps you minimize yourself and your own ego and what you would maybe find yourself doing selfishly in those spare pockets of time and energy. I'm curious what you guys think about well, that though, you- because you've had similar experiences and are farther along in the process than I am.
0: Yeah. I've had a lot of time to marinate. That's why I'm i I'm gonna pass it <laughs> off to James. Like what, what do you think?
2: Well, um, I want to give my congratulations to you as well, man. This is really cool to be able to share in the joy with others who are going through the same thing and all pretty close in the journey. Um, so congrats again, man. And it's funny when you said that, how it just would, it it sounds like just from hearing how you described it, that it was like immediate shift for you. Whereas for me, it still really hasn't hit me. Like I'm, my wife is at the point, she's getting close to six months in and I can feel the baby and it mm. still hasn't connected to me that that is my child. And, and all the things you're saying, I can connect at a logical level, but it still doesn't connect all the way at a conscious level. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, so I like what you said about we'll figure it out because that's the one thing that I've learned this season. I feel like I have so much change going on that I'm just accepting that I have no clue what's ahead. And I just know that, and I rely and trust on the experience that I've had in life that. I will be ready when the moment comes, mm. but right now I don't have the skills needed for anything in front of me, but I will be mm. ready to step up to the plate when whatever comes. So I really like how you describe that.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. If it hasn't hit you yet, just wait until you see like an elbow just move across her belly it'll hit you you'll look at that and be like oh my gosh that is a human inside of my wife's stomach yeah that is why her stomach is getting bigger and that human belongs to me allegedly but that human belongs to me you know so it's like um no um um, i'm probably closer to drew i think it hit me uh, it hit me sooner and i'm also just further along dude like like there is a big difference between six months pregnant and going into your nine ninth month. Like I didn't think there was, but there is a huge, 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 huge difference. Um, in the way, I mean, everything's just harder to do for her. <laughs> like, everything is just more difficult. <laughs> like she'll get up and walk through the kitchen and be like, I'm so exhausted. She's like, why am I exhausted? I'm like, because you, you literally have like this creature inside of you. <laughs> That's why. Um, and you know, just like the planning around, uh, uh, you know, hospital and when will the baby get here? Cause like, honestly at this point, um, I mean, we have no inclination that, that, um, the is going to come anytime soon. And then like immediately, but like, it wouldn't even, it, it wouldn't even be a premium at this point. It would just be, you know, just early term. <clears throat> um, so that's really trippy. Y- you know, I just, I've, I've got a lot more compassion for just other people. I mean, I, I really, really do. Um, just other people's experiences and other people's life. And just the fact that every single one of us started off as this thing wiggling inside a woman's belly. And, uh, yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's made me softer just in the sense of more caring and, and, uh, yeah, compassionate. And in a lot of ways, what Drew said, you know, a lot of the goals and objectives we have, you know, it's just, it's just different. You got to account for something else. And I will say one of the things that has driven me insane was people. And I've told people to just stop this crap. Like, I just call people out at this point. Like, don't tell me being a, like, don't tell me having kids sucks. Okay. Like from an inconvenience standpoint, or like how hard it is and all this other. Like, what were you expecting when you decided to have a child? <laughs> like my dog is inconvenient, dude. And that's a dog. I can leave him alone for three hours. Um, so I just kind of want to like slap people and be like, just stop telling people it sucks to be a parent. Like it's, like it's one of the most fulfilling things you can ever do. Yes, it's inconvenient. The same way getting married, what to a degree was inconvenient, because now you have two people you have to figure things out around and account for instead of one. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm I'm just super pumped, super excited, and um, yeah, it's been an interesting journey so far.
2: I, I was gonna say I, I like the points you made about. It not being convenient because with a child you had to make a commitment it's just like a marriage you have a commitment and commitment and convenience do not coexist it's yeah. one or the other and so i don't understand that either people say things like i lost myself when i got married i lost myself when i had children and obviously we're none of us are fathers yet i mean we technically are right but we haven't actually had to be in our fatherly yeah. role yet yeah. So things could change a little bit, but I I firmly believe that I won't be thinking along those lines that it's so inconvenient. Right. Like that's that's where meaning comes from in life. Responsibility. Mm. Pouring yourself into something. Otherwise your life is just meaningless.
0: It's gonna be really funny. We should all listen to this episode next December when we do next year's head head trash because all of us will have had our kids. And are we gonna look back and be like these morons? <laughs>
1: Probably a little mm. bit, yeah, hopefully it's these um tender hearted receptive morons, these self aware guys <laughs> who know at least that they don't know anything, um, yeah, one of the things that's been comforting and helpful as we talk about head trash, um I mean, just the idea that like am I enough, am I capable of doing this, um, you think back about like how many people have come before you on the earth in an age and in places where they didn't have the same access to healthcare, they didn't have the same access to information, they didn't have some of the same material resources, and, like, people have been birthing babies just fine for thousands and thousands of years. Like, there's no, uh, no reason why you can't do that. So it leans into exactly what James was saying. Like, it's those moments when you take that big step of responsibility that you discover a little bit more of who you are rather than saying, I'm losing myself. It's just, just, it's opening another door, which hasn't even been opened yet, um, but it's going to. And so that's, that's really cool. Another thing just kind of on the same topic and just on a maybe tangent of big thing that happened this year that I would like y'all's thoughts on specifically in this arena of, parenting and fatherhood marriage, and just like using your time wisely is that we had a really, really close family friend passed away from terminal cancer at 30. Um, And he passed away at the end of this year. And he's got a a four-year-old son and um, a wife who's about our age. And we, like we knew for a long time that he was going to pass away, um, but weren't sure when that was. He had a terminal diagnosis for years, and then we we're hoping he would get better. Um, but seeing now that a couple of months have gone by since he's passed, um, and then learning that we're pregnant, um, like trying to understand. You talk about expectations, like what did you expect when you were pregnant? I think we all expect that we're going to live till we're 90 and that we're going to be super healthy and that you're never going to have these issues and trying to wrestle with the fact that that isn't guaranteed. And like, how do you expect, do you expect your kid to be healthy? Do you expect your job to be smooth? Do you expect these bumps in the road that are going to come up and how do you handle those? And like, what can you do? to prepare or to live in such a way with the fact that you don't know what's going to happen, that you can make the most of it. So that regardless of when your time on earth is done, like you've lived it well, that is an art and a science combined. But like, that is something that I've thought about every single day since he passed away. was like, that could have been you and that could be you Mm -hmm. and you have no idea. So like, how do you, how do you max out every possible day? Um, tell the people around you that you love them and and be an impactful person. Um, that's just been a huge, like seminal moment for me in my life was, um, having that occur this year and trying to figure out the implications of it for day-to-day life and big picture and what you expect.
0: I think it's a catch 22 because if we lived in such a way to where we were so aware of our mortality 24 seven, we would be living in such a state of panic and anxiety that we'd get nothing done ever. You know, I really think that it's a way for us to protect ourselves, to think that we're invincible. You know, it's, uh, I mean, for me personally, you know, I'm just not interested in in working like a slave for the rest of my life. You know, uh, I mean, shoot, I'm not interested in doing that right now. I'm trying to be efficient. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to break my back. I don't have to, I don't live in 1942 Ukraine. I live in a society that you know, can reward me financially and allow for me to take care of my family based on skill set and mental capital. Um, so I think, I mean, dude, I just think just reminding yourself to be like compassionate towards others. Again. I mean, I, I even think about like, think about our parents, like on a daily basis, I guarantee your parents say something to you. If you talk to them, that just makes you roll your eyes, every single one of us. And, um, you know, just reminding yourself that hopefully one day you will be the one that gets your eyes rolled at you by your kid. And just remembering like, hey, I would like for my kid when I'm a boomer or the equivalent of. um, And I can't figure out how to freaking open up Instagram or whatever it is to like send a message to a cousin. That they're compassionate enough with me. To where they're not annoyed, but they just understand. So how do you treat people today to where that's what you receive on the back end? That's kind of how I view it
2: that was a really deep, uh, kickoff there. I mean, I'm very sorry to hear about your friend passing, man. Um, for, for me, the realization of my mortality has made me make more light of things and not be so serious about things Mm. because to Yavis's point, if you are hyper focused on your mortality all the time, which is so easy to get to when you've experienced death and especially death of a close person around you, um, then it just makes you anxious all the time and you can't live life that way. So I just have been able to, to lift that, that kind of veil and walk around with a more lighthearted approach to life uh, and that I think that has freed me up to be more successful instead of being more anxious about it. And no doubt, I still have times where I meditate on my mortality and I mm-hmm. think about it more and more every single day with each passing year. And I think more because no doubt we're not making it out of here alive. <laughs> <laughs> None of us are making it out of here alive. And I think some of that is healthy. It's, it's sometimes healthy to reflect on that. And finding that balance is very difficult. Um, But I think that at the end of the day, just trying to find a peace and that there's nothing that we can do about it. And just knowing that I've made it this far and I'm okay. um, And if I somehow get a terminal diagnosis tomorrow, which is likely, uh, hopefully I have more time than that, but it can happen that hopefully that I just have peace and just, I just pray that I have peace and I'm able to continue to live out my life to the fullest along that path.
0: Yeah, I mean did any of that touch what you were trying to touch?
1: Yeah, I think it's just it it's gonna impact everybody in different ways, but it, it just gives clarity to it's just, it's another one of those lenses of perspective that changes the way you look at the world. It's saying, Okay, like you you view it from the lens of hey be compassionate to other people, your relationships with other people matter. One of the things that I took away from that was would everybody else be so quick to really share good things about this person? Would everybody be so quick if that's you to say, hey, like, look at the impact that this person has made. Look at the, um, the way they influence me. And so that's been a helpful, not even a pebble in my shoe, like a helpful whole gravel road in my shoes to say, like, hey, you need to uh, be really mindful about the choices you make and how they impact other people. Um, Especially in in a world where like through the last two years in a pandemic, like everything we think we know for certain has been tossed up in the air. I don't know if you guys want to talk about COVID or just completely ignore it. It feels like it's at least worth mentioning. We both, Sarah and I both had it this year and that was interesting to be 28 and super healthy. And to be put in a position where, like, you can't get off the couch for a week and it just totally sapped us. Um, That's another one of those things where you talk about realizing your mortality. It's like, man, I think I feel like Superman walking around all the time because my body doesn't hurt. I'm not that old. Things feel good. And then the second that something goes wrong like that, you're like, oh, man, (laughs) I'm not that far removed from being pretty fragile.
0: Well, I mean, to even take it a step further, if you want to get real serious on the front of what happens if something happens to one of us, you know, because there's now multiple people dependent on the things that we were going to provide if we had lived a full life, like what happens financially to your family? You know, that's something I thought about a lot, you know, and I was peer pressuring James because I was like, you got to up your life insurance, bro. Um <laughs> I was like, real peer pressure over here. I was like, here's exactly how much I'm getting. Here's what I'm getting it through. Like, and I'm going to bug you until I do this. But, like, for real, like, I literally went to the life insurance Probably company and I pressure. said, hey, I was like, right. what's the max yeah. I can get? Because I want to be able to provide, even if God forbid something were to happen to me, I want to be able to provide all the things, financially speaking, that I would provide for if um, I had lived a full life. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. Like it's, it's again, this is America. We have functioning financial systems. We could do that. Um, but yeah, it just becomes so much more real at that point. It, it, yeah. So the financial aspect, obviously that can be mitigated. That emotional aspect can't if something happens to us. Um, and yeah, like you said, just the, the reality of like, man, life isn't fair and life is suffering, but in so many ways, life is beautiful too.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to dominate the conversation on intense, sad topics. Um, This is my last one, I promise. But, um, so I live, I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, like an hour North of Nashville where I live now. And just a few weeks ago, we had a tornado come through Bowling Green and through a large like swath of Kentucky and just absolutely decimate parts of the city where I grew up. And seeing people lose homes and lose lives and lose stability. And one of the communities that was hit super hard um, was actually a refugee neighborhood and community of people who moved in from Bosnia um, to Bowling Green, like in the nineties. And so there was a lot of first generation American families in that specific neighborhood so like when some of the people who were impacted by the tornado had a chance to like call their cousin and go stay at their mom's house or family down the road or like hey there's people that we've known because we've lived in this community for a really long time for generations and we can go crash at their house and these people who were impacted are like hey I don't know anybody here or maybe my English like isn't my first language and I don't know it that well and like how do I even functionally ask for help? And watching the like overnight destruction to a group of people and to the place that you grew up and that you know and you love was like, it was jarring. It was really hard to watch. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go spend a little bit of time helping clean up. And there were 30 or 40 people who were just in the yard of the house that I was working in who had driven from hours away in another part of Kentucky to come help and it was people from like 10 years old to people in their 60s like hauling tree limbs and old trampoline parts and like picking up trash like you see the community rally around and become a light in those moments of darkness and so it was really hard to reconcile with like why is one house on one side of the street completely destroyed and the house right next to it is totally fine. And like mm. the randomness of that, but then even in those moments where like, I, I mean, you just can't help but be impacted and shed tears for these people. You see like strangers who the day before the week before might not have ever even talked to each other or might've been too busy putting their heads down in their phones um rally together and say like hey we're gonna take a week off of work and we're gonna go help this family who we've never spoken to or who maybe doesn't even understand our language but we're gonna go help them and that yeah those are the moments where like you just have to use that as a rallying point um and you can see the good in humanity and good in people i thought that was a really encouraging moment in a really dark time
0: i mean it's kind of early twenty twenty when a tornado hit Nashville. I mean, yeah. you go and clean up, and it's again. You're like, why is this house fine, and that that house completely leveled? Like the ran the, the the good word you used there was the randomness of it all. That's what's so terrifying because it is it, it it's so random. I think that's what's hard to reconcile because we want to have some sort of rhyme or reason. We want to have like the reason why people why people gravitate towards conspiracy theories because it's easier to believe somebody has control over something than understanding. Like this was just a literally random thing that happened. All right. That's significantly more terrifying. Now, I'm not saying certain conspiracy theories didn't exist. Your government did plan to blow up a airliner in the sixties and blame Cuba on it. Those are declassified documents. Okay. <laughs> those people conspired to do something horrible but i'm speaking like just in in, in broader terms in general like the you know what i'm talking about like the people that were at every single thing is a conspiracy theorist. it's like dude chill out it's not but like this person needs to believe that somebody has control of things
2: yeah the the lack of control is what keeps us in a frenzy we we always want to categorize things and <clears throat> but the the blessing in those moments of destruction is that it gives us better perspective and it forces us to realize we can't control everything. And all the way this talk, all that we're talking about reminds me of Ecclesiastes when Solomon writes that it's better to visit the house of mourning than the house of celebration. Mm. Um, because of that perspective, it gives us about our own lives, yeah. about the lives of others. And that's when you see the community rally around because they have that perspective and understand that, this could have been me. There's no difference between me and the person in the past or my house and the house that was destroyed. So everything comes together at that point. You're able to make those connections and see how all humanity is connected. In so many ways, it's just also
0: so
1: exhausting. You would, and you would hope that that would be the response in a global pandemic of like the country and the world to come together. And it feels like, there's an opportunity to do that but a lot of it has been politicized and pushed to such extremes that if anything it feels like that's become a more more fertile ground for division than it is for unity and if if we can operate from that space of compassion and thinking about the person next to you and realizing they're not that different than you and like have that heart that overflows with gratitude, that's when like, you can really love your neighbor as yourself. That's when I think regardless of what your local community or your larger community is going through, like, that's how you, you band together and get stronger um, is by being really grateful and viewing those commonalities that you have between each other rather than our differences. Um, so let's do it. Let's, yeah, but let's fix I'm all also going to challenge problems. your analogy to the, on the podcast. I'm going
0: to uh, I'm going to challenge your your analogy to the pan- pandemic, though. I really believe that the pandemic, the reason it's such a shit show as it is, is because of our need for control, because the people in power and the leadership lied over and over and over and over again. All the leadership, from Trump to Cuomo, to Fauci to whoever the hell, they all lied over and over and over again. Instead of just saying. We don't know anything. So let's be super cautious because we literally don't know anything. Everything is a guess. I really think people would have reacted differently. I, you would have taken the steam out of the hatred of the pandemic if instead of needing to present an aura of control, just being like, <laughs> we have no clue. We really don't. So now there's a lack of trust because you can only lie to somebody so often. Before they look at you and they're like, why would I why would I hear a word that you have to say?
2: That makes a lot of sense. My pushback to that point that you just made, Yavasa, would be I'm just playing devil's advocate here. The reason they came up with the aura of control is because if if they went out and said, We don't know, and there's people who are becoming ill and dying by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands, would that not have incited a great panic through the people greater than it was with the fake or of control, because some people take what's put out in the media as gold, no matter what, even if it's been founded that there have been lies, they still look to the news as gold, as though they are reporting facts and objective uh, news, like it used to be at one point. Um, so th- what do you think about that? Do you think that if they came <laughs> out and admitted that they were doubtful on certain things, that it wouldn't have incited more anxiety and then the mental health crisis is going on now, do you not think that it would be worse? Or do you think that it's as bad as it could get now with there being the lies just promulgated throughout the media?
0: Yeah, I think this is 100,000 times worse. I think the panic that we think would have been created through the lack of some sense of control would have been nothing compared to the just... I mean, I want you to think about this. I was listening to a Ray Dalio podcast last night. Ray Dalio puts the U.S. having a civil war at 30% probability. You don't get much worse than that. And then again, you can say, who the hell is Ray Dalio and what does his opinion matter? You could also say, what the hell is my opinion matter? But I stand by it like all you had to do was just admit that you didn't know. Because now you've created a problem where you have no credibility. So and, and that, again, goes into, the, into human nature and politics. What is politics? You know, a fight for power. So maintaining power and structuring power and, you know, I mean, just think about how insane the whole vaccine conversation is. Literally like a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago, the current vice president is in a debate saying, I will not take this vaccine because it was, it was, uh, it was created under the Trump administration. And then her ticket wins and now it's the greatest thing ever. And the Trump administration is like, this is the worst thing ever. It's like, this is, this is the most insane shit I've ever heard. Is it good or is it bad? Give me like just the information. Is it good or is it bad? <laughs> That's it. What are the pros? What are the cons?
1: Well, on a really practical level, it takes a ton of humility to be able to say, Hey, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll figure it out for you. Um, there's some well, really our, good... our
0: leadership is not known for humility just in general, in our society, True. our leaders are not um, known for humility. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to be humble just as on an individual level, much less in a position like that. But like, there's some really good sales content from a guy on LinkedIn named Josh Braun. I'll give him some free shout out here. He talks all the time about like your messaging and how you're relating to people. And when someone asks you the question to something, whether it's important and it's a huge issue, like what we're talking about or whether it's a small thing like, Hey, how does this product work in this situation? If you try and like come up with a fake answer (laughs) and say, Oh, well this is what I think it is. And and you just like brush it off. Like, you know what it is, even if that's the way it works out, like that sets such a dangerous precedent for dishonesty. Mm. And then if, if you give an answer and it's not correct or it's totally wrong, like you look like a fool, but if, and we're afraid that we'll look foolish if we don't have the answer. And so we say the first thing that comes to our minds is what we think the other person wants to hear. But in those moments, if you can say like, hey, I actually don't know the answer to that. That's a great question. But here's what I'm going to do to find out. And I'll get back to you. Like, maybe that's what you're hoping the ideal response from the government was on the pandemic. But like on a practical level, that's anytime somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer to it. Like that response will only generate credibility. It's never going to hurt it.
0: Correct. It's not, it truly isn't rocket science. But again, you have to think about the type of individual, again, Democrat, Republican, Martian, I don't give a crap. The type of human, if you, if you did a a pro con of let's say the president of the United States or even Senator, whatever pro con, you know, uh, all the positives and all the incredibly negative, like the laundry list of negative aspects of having that job. And you went to any sane human being and said, here's the job. Would you like it? No normal person would say yes. Like it, it's not a, it's not a position that human beings with a moral compass go into. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. So there's just, you know, and I know I'm on a soapbox here, but damn it, man, like with a kid on the way, like I'm thinking a lot, like what kind of society am I in? What are the pitfalls of that society? How can things go South? Like I am one of those refugees from Bosnia. That's me. Okay. My dad was 33. I was three. That's a decision he had to make when his society went south. So, you know, I'm constantly thinking and weighing and the pros and cons. So I'm just in such a point where I just distrust these people so much to where it's like, man, how do you get to even a remote inkling of truth? Because quite frankly, I'm so tired of COVID. I'm so tired of worrying about it. I'm so tired of. You know, I've got an immune compromised mother-in-law. I've got an immune compromised father, uh, a pregnant wife, which fun fact, you don't want to get COVID when you're pregnant. I feel like I've done everything I've been asked of and it's just not, it's just never going to go away. And I can't get a clear answer from anybody. So it's just like, how do we go from here and rebuild any form of trust in any form of institution at this point?
2: That was a mouthful right there. Yeah. Sorry. I just <laughs> no, but th- these are the things I struggle with too. Um, It just i'm already a very skeptical person and i'm very curious curious about everything so it's only made me more skeptical and i feel like i can't trust anything that comes out of the media um and that's the the downfall of the internet i mean the internet is such a beautiful place you can find out literally anything that you want to but that's also the downside of it you can find out literally anything you want to you can create the meaning
1: Mm -hmm. you can
2: create a false meaning like the thing that I hate, one of the phrases I hate the most that has come out in, in, in modern times is your truth. That's hmm. your truth. There's no such thing as your truth. There's, there's one objective truth. And now that's been pushed to, to everyone. And so it sounds good, right? It sounds good that, oh, well, that's your experience. That's pretty much what that statement is saying. Your experience is your truth. But just because you experience something, you have a perspective about your experience doesn't even mean that you processed it in an objective way. Um, and I think that we're, we're getting there where everyone's opinion is pushed out as fact. And so we're getting into this muddled, confused space, and, and that causes us all to be divided, because it's like, well, if this is true in my truth, and you go against that, then you've got to be an idiot. And Mm. now we have all these divisive conversations, and no one can even pay attention to the nuances that are driven by different circumstances that cause differences in the objective reality that we're seeing. Like, I mean, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And I hate that. And I hate that for our kids. But we'll make it. Yeah, I mean, we'll figure it it out. Yeah, and we'll make it.
1: I read a book. Um, we, I know we talk about book recommendations sometimes called You Are Not Listening, What You're Missing, and Why It Matters um, by Kate Murphy, or maybe it's Katie Murphy. That's terrible if I'm not listening enough to even know the name of the author of the book. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, that book was incredibly influential in pointing out how both individually and collectively, it's so important to listen to the person who disagrees with you and who you disagree with, that we've lost the ability for civil discourse and the ability to say, well, tell me why you believe that. Because most, I mean, humans are rational people. On on some level, that person has a logical reason for why they believe what they believe. Now, you might have new information or more information or more updated information than that person. And so They're not seeing the full picture clearly, or maybe that's you and you're not seeing the full picture clearly, but like based on the information that they have from somewhere, that's why they believe what they believe. And if we forget that and we just write them off, um, it's going to be really hard to ever affect meaningful change. Like nobody's mind has ever been meaningfully swayed from a Facebook rant. Let's just go ahead and throw that out there, like that's not the way to do it. It comes through listening and trying to understand on a practical level where people are at and then reconciling from there. Um, the social dilemma did you guys watch that on Netflix? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but it's been a while. I don't really I mean I remember it, but it I talks don't about, much
1: about it well, kind of what James was saying, like how you can curate your own. Version of a story, um, or how on social media you can get into an echo chamber because you can literally choose to follow or unfollow or mute anything that makes you uncomfortable or anything that you don't want to hear. And then the yeah. algorithm listens to you, right? And so it gives you this feedback loop where, like, the articles that you're reading about national media are tailored to whatever side of the aisle that you're on. And then you're seeing it everywhere. And all the people that you're talking to and that you're seeing online share that same opinion and because of the pervasiveness of seemingly everyone in your little world in your circle and web believes this one thing anybody who doesn't believe that is ignoring mountains of evidence and must just be Mm. the world's biggest moron and like Mm. you can demonize them so quickly and dehumanize them because you're like how can you ignore all of this information but in reality like they're Facebook page may look completely different than yours and all the people in their world may be talking about some other side of it. Um, so that's where that, that really opened my eyes, that book. And then that, um, documentary in conjunction was like, Oh man, this is a much bigger issue than what I initially thought of face value.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'm just weird, but I love listening to like, like I'm a religious person. I love listening to atheists on podcasts for example, where I love listening to socialists or I mean, even like far right conservatives, I don't fall into any of those spectrums, but I just love listening to people where I'm just kind of like, Hmm, let's see, let's see uh, if you can, if you can defend your ideas. Will I actually take them seriously? Just to like, I, I, I work hard not to be in an echo chamber. Um, it's not perfect. By any stretch of the imagination, I know there are certain areas where I definitely fall short on it, but the messed up part is the more I pull myself out of an echo chamber, the less I, the less I trust everybody and the institutions. Yeah. It's just interesting. I mean, even like the, the, the build back better, uh, Joe Manchin voting against it this past week, dude, I listened to like six different podcasts on the same topic. You would thought those six groups of people lived on separate planets on that one event. (laughs) And yeah, I don't know how we reconcile that. I mean, like James said, we'll figure it out, but yeah, I would challenge everybody, like figure out a way to challenge your, your, your worldview. Um, like when the January 6th happened, I put out an episode called America. We have a problem. And one of the challenges I put, I said, Hey, I need you to go volunteer with people you would never volunteer with before. Like if you're living in Nashville, do not dare go volunteer and you go to first Baptist church. Don't go to volunteer with first Baptist church. I want you to go to a mosque and I want you to volunteer with those people. I want you to put yourself so far out of your comfort zone with people you would never interact with to where it forces you to change the mindset of, could I possibly be wrong? because the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th never asked themselves the question, could I possibly be wrong? And the more times we can ask ourselves that question, the better off we'll be. I really believe that.
2: It's one of my favorite things to do, to listen to people who have opposing viewpoints. And I actually find myself respecting the people who are able to put together good lines of logic, even if I still disagree with their point. I love that. And this is one thing that has really been kind of changing me um over the past year or two is and i think marriage has really taught me this even more um if you allow yourself to be vulnerable and put yourself in those spaces where you're really uncomfortable and with people that you disagree with you're inevitably influenced by them you may not take on their their ideologies and their beliefs but No doubt you're influenced by them, even if it's as simple as you're more compassionate towards those people because you see the humanity in them because you took Mm. the time to listen to them. And I think that it fully allows you to integrate your ideas. So, for instance, when I listen to atheists, now I can formulate better arguments to actually defend my position on God because it Mm. challenges me to study more. I hear that point. I'm like, oh, I've never thought about it like that. Well, now let me go and wrestle with my faith more. And be able to come up with an an articulate argument that pieces together why that's not true or why that is true. And if it is true, what do I need to learn more about on on this side to integrate the ideas to to have a full understanding of the topic? And I just wish Mm -hmm. more people would, would do that. And we all fall short of that. We all have blind spots where we think we know everything on a topic. But I think if more people would just listen, like you're saying, Drew instead of just rushing to speak and and dominate conversation um, because they've heard everything about a topic, then I think that we could get closer and, and a lot more united and divided.
1: There's humility popping right back up again. Could I possibly be wrong here? It's the same humility yeah. of, I don't know the answer to that question. Let me find find out. You said that Marriage has taught you that lesson. Marriage has thoroughly taught me the the answer to the question, "Could I possibly be wrong here is yes, more times than not <laughs> in my marriage <laughs> um, whether that's you know did you do the dishes right or or whatever, but just like having somebody be with you all the time in all these different areas of your life makes you realize that like your way is not always the best way, and you don't always. Have the answer cornered uh or the the market cornered on the way you think, so yeah, humility yeah,
2: and now it's funny, I mean I've only been married a little over two years, but even in that time frame, I've matured so much in that department, and I thought I was good before, and I realized how bad I was and and now mm. uh it's funny because i can I can see a newly married person when they speak as though they know everything, or they think that they have something cornered. I'm like, this person hasn't been married very long. Even <laughs> as a two year only been in the game for two years. It's funny.
0: <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the old guy here. I think four years.
2: Yeah. You've been in the game for a minute, man. Coming up on that, that, uh, half a decade next year.
0: Hmm. Yeah. We've been together like seven, um, come up New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah, there's so many different ways to like I I like what you said about the way um listening to different people they impact you. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I'll go back to politics because that just is such an easy form of um ideology. You know, I I piss people off so much who are ideologues because they can't put me in a box and it bothers them. Like it drives them insane. They're like, "Oh, so you're this, so you're that." And I'm like, "No." Um Like, or, 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 you know, the, the fact that everything isn't cookie cutter, like I can be a fan of capitalism and still think like, Hey, people should like be able to have access to healthcare, like, Mm. and like, we should take care of our planet and yes, incentivizing people not to work is bad. (laughs) Like, God forbid you have a 3d opinion,
2: man, bro, that, that honestly makes me so mad and I love that i'm in this space right here i feel completely comfortable to share my opinions and my thoughts on things but not that's not so in pretty much any other conversation i'm in because when i'm in these conversations i always feel as though someone's going to pigeonhole me into a particular category and i'm like you you can't do that Mm -hmm. because i don't think like that i'm not in a box so like you said i i understand that all these ideas don't have to be mutually exclusive you can pair universal healthcare care with capitalism you, you compare that you know there's a lot of different combinations that could be made and it really just drives me insane that people try to always put you in a box and, and on the flip side it drives me also insane when I'm talking to someone and I know exactly where they stand I don't want to be able to predict yeah like you're telegraphing your passes I I know exactly where you're going When someone says a certain buzzword, I'm just like, Mm. please, please impress me more and tell me you're not in this box and that you have, you you can have another belief over here because it it just drives me insane. Like people are so unique and individual. I know this is not who you really are.
0: Well, but also all three people on this call live in, and I hate this term because I think it's been hijacked. to mean, a lot of different things, but I'm going to use it. Um, Live in a very unique circumstance of privilege. We, we work jobs that aren't hard labor. So we don't, I mean, I'm tired from playing 18 today. Shit. We didn't even finish the full 18, 16. Cause it got dark. Um, I'm not out there swinging a hammer all day. So I've got the mental capacity because I'm not exhausted from physical labor for just as an example to like go and explore my ideas or I'm not a single mom or a single dad. I'm not, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a soldier being shot at. I've got, I've, I've got plenty of capital, uh, from an energy standpoint to go and explore my ideas and argue those ideas and formulate those ideas. And for a lot of people, man, they are working their asses off. They just don't have the, they just, for some reason, don't have the capacity to go down that route and they need a box to jump into. So I've also found a lot of compassion for that, um, here recently.
1: Figuring out where a dynamic person is by putting them in a static stereotype or frame of reference is a task that even if you get it totally right, you're only going to be right at like one specific moment in time because people are malleable and their opinions are malleable. Mm. And we all we all want that. We don't want people to be stagnant in their opinions. Mm. and. When we classify them in that way, we're somewhat like keeping them there because we're the ones who put them in the box. They didn't put themselves in the box. And so rather than saying, like, hey, le- like, why do you think that way, or let me share this, or how do you think about that? I think it maybe a popular reference point for people, I, I think Joe Rogan is really interesting because he has talked about diversity of thought. That guy just like brings on people who believe all sorts of stuff and just asks them a million questions on it and he doesn't have to say immediately in the moment hey i believe this fully or i believe like it's let me research that more that's interesting like being able to take in those his perspective probably changes with almost every single conversation he has with people because he's talking to so many different interesting people so like what you believe when you're you talk about what we would believe at the end of 2022 by the time that we have babies actually out in the world. Like, that's just think about how different your perspective will be not even 12 months later. Like, so trying to understand the root cause underneath things and have more deep and meaningful conversations. I think that's the answer. It's just, um, our friend uh, Yavita yeah, knows this guy, his name is Casey Nichols. He talks about how uh, rules of thumb are for intellectually lazy people who don't want to think. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what like just listening to the main news lines are. You're like, you don't actually know what that means. You're just regurgitating the talking points. Like, why do you actually believe that? Like, What does that actually mean to you? And most people can't go deeper on that.
2: I think this, this adds this makes a circle back to the earlier conversation with The rules of thumb, that gives us a a perception of control. Uh, I was reading a couple years ago, I think, the book Thinking Fast and Slow uh, by Daniel Kahneman. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I apologize if it's not. But he talks about heuristics uh, or rules of thumb and how, how, I forgot what percentage of time. I mean, I guess it varies depending on the situation. They're generally, they're wrong a lot of times. uh, But... People use them because it just gives them comfort. It's it's like Simple with gambling, exactly the way that people gamble, they use rules of thumb and they they the loss aversion is way greater than you know the benefit of a win. So we do these things knowing that they're incorrect, but, but we do them because it gives us a sense of control, and that's why we do it. And it's just, it's, it's terrible. I had another thought there. Oh, um, going back to Joe Rogan. I disagree with Joe Rogan on a few things, but the way that he lives his life, I love it. Because he, like you said, he has conversations with people. He's constantly influenced he's always changing. And it reminds me of, I was reading some of Ralph Waldo Emerson's writings. And he talked about how conformity and consistency of thought they keep people trapped into an uh, um, uh, intellectual prison because we feel in in our culture we feel as though we had to conform to certain ideas, you know, the the predominant beliefs on certain things and ideologies on certain things. We feel that we had to conform to those, and then once we subscribe to those things, then we feel as though we had to stay consistent with those thoughts, or we'll be just a hypocrite. Like you look at a politician if they make a different stance on something, if they could take a different stance on something. They're they're so quick to bring up video and audio from years ago when they made that stance. What's so wrong with someone changing their mind on something if it is growing and, and they're getting more of the pool of information in that answer? And so that's what's beautiful about Joe Rogan. He adapts his ideas. He grows his ideas. He's not afraid to to take a chance and talk to someone who is ostracized by the mainstream media. Um, I mean, he wasn't afraid to take that horse dewormer, you know. he he wasn't afraid and 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 look at him i mean he's doing all right yeah
0: oh man that that's another conversation um so with someone as as someone who hosts a podcast granted exponentially smaller than the joe rogan experience maybe someday um it is amazing how much my life has changed and how much my worldview has changed and how much more malleable I've become just off of hosting a podcast. And just off of having conversations with folks and asking people questions and going down different rabbit holes. And um it is one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And it is one of the most impactful things I've ever done in my life. And I can only imagine that this tiny little small scale that I do it on relative to Joe Rogan, for example, how impactful it must be on someone like him or any of the big podcasters. but he's got the biggest podcast in the world. So he's kind of the biggest, um, yeah, it's, it, it's really hard to have a in-depth vulnerable conversation with someone and not walking away a little more malleable. It's just, I, I find that really hard to do. It's
2: impossible
1: someone well said, it, it makes me want to go start a podcast. So be careful. You'll have some competition out here. But I think there's such an abundant Bro, space. Good podcast. There's
0: like, a, there, there's like 7 billion <laughs> podcasts that come on. Like, dude, I get a email a week from somebody being like, oh, I'm trying to start a podcast. Can I pick your brain? I, I used to take the calls and I'm like, nah, because like, dude, first, first things first, podcasts are hard. Like, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of free yeah. work. Um, it is also a skill. Okay. So some people just suck at it and some people are really, really good at it. And then you can obviously like develop the talent along the way. Um, 97% of podcasts never make it past episode 13. Why? Because people think it's a cool idea to start a podcast and then they realize how much work it is and how difficult it is to actually do. And then they give up. So like people, yes, yeah, so I've stopped responding to those requests unless it's, unless it comes through somebody that I know and trust. Like if James told me like, Hey, my buddy wants to talk to you or you told me I'd be, I'd take that call, but like just random emails, I don't don't do those anymore. Um, I, I got in just right before everybody and their mom started having a podcast, which is, I think algorithm wise, part of why I was successful. Um, I don't know if I could replicate today what I did in 2018 or what I started building in 2018, but I'll take that as an opportunity as well to like every single person that's still listening to this pod, to this episode or this podcast, or, you know, if you're new, cause there was 159% growth this year over last year. Um, thank you. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you. And, th- and thanks for putting up with, uh, with this, uh, with this foreign dude, just talking into a mic. Anything we want to wrap up with any final ideas, any big goals, plans, objectives, et cetera, for 2022. Uh,
2: Man, honestly, I'm just trying to make it, man. Uh, that's that's just that's past a good April. point. That's uh, yeah, just past April, man. That's that's encouraging though, but because honestly, in preparation for this call, I was kind of thinking of what my goals would be, and I still haven't formulated them all the way, man. Um, <clears throat> I think kind of what Drew was saying earlier in the call, just how having a kid on the horizon has really just shaken up my whole world. Along with the other changes that I have, um, it just makes me want to get simpler and realize the mm-hmm. power and the simplicity. I mean, like, we're all very ambitious guys, and we want to shake the world up. But if we are to be successful in just raising productive human beings, that is an amazing that's accomplishment. A nice thing. Right. And, and like growing up, we think that's just given, right? You know, mm-hmm. you think that's given. You see all these people. In the world who have been born and appear to be successfully productive citizens um, but it's it's still a miracle the fact that you can have productive children so um i think that i probably set some goals in that space just getting my mind centered on being a, a more productive person a more organized per- person a more structured person so that i can get my basic priorities taken care of, um, just mm. tending to my wife. Well, first first off, uh, spiritual growth, uh, tending to my wife, and growing our, our son to be a productive human being. So those are the three areas that I want to be the most productive. And the career will be fo- followed by that, behind that. That'll fall fourth on the priority list. Um, and that's something that this year has taught me more that Um, the career and the ambitious things outside of those three core tenets, you know, the spiritual life, my marriage, my marriage and my, my children, everything else is going to fall behind that. And I want my focus to be there. So that's where my goals will be. I just don't have them formulated.
1: I am going to take piano lessons in 2022. There is a sweet lady who we go to church with. Uh, named darlene and darlene taught collegiate piano and if you're going to learn from somebody you'll learn from the master so i'm going to learn piano i need to get specific on the end goal or what's reasonable in a year but that is going to be i think a really fun experience to throw myself at and challenge yourself and be able to iterate and get direct feedback on how you're doing in a way that is maybe less time consuming or less frustrating than hitting a golf ball into a tree which <laughs> i've gotten really good yeah. at doing that so um that's a big thing and the larger principle beyond that is that i have discovered that i really enjoy learning and learning just for learning's sake and if i'm remotely interested in something like cornering somebody who is a total nerd at that topic and loves it and is passionate about it and just listening to them and asking people about like, what is the one thing that you just love more than anything and learning. Um, So learning new skills, learning new perspectives and experiences and doing things because I think I can learn something from it opposed to doing things because I think I'm supposed to, like I think about in my professional work there's all of this like continuing education and none of it is relevant or none of it is something that I would actually choose to like sit down and learn but there are other financial topics that are riveting or that I think are just incredibly fascinating and so it's like how do you just go learn the stuff that gets you going and the stuff that um, whether that's how to be a better husband or father all those things that fall into that so that those would be the two massive goals is learn to dabble and play on the piano and then learn how to keep learning better.
0: Goal number one, figure out how to be a dad. <laughs> like They don't give you a manual. So just don't suck at that is I guess the number one goal for me. Um, Drew, you and I spent, I spent a really long time in financial planning and that culture is kind of the definition of like hustle culture. And that's the most toxic crap ever. Yep, I have no interest. I have no interest in hustle culture. I don't need this or that. I'm. I have interest in being an efficient, incredibly efficient at what I do. I'm not trying to work one hundred hours a week. I can for a short period of time, but that's not the long term goal. So, like, I've got some work goals. Yada yada yada. I mean, I'm again, I'm I'm building out a business on on that front. But with the podcast, something I'd really like to do is obviously just keep keep it going. But um, I would like to do a documentary series i think that'll be really fun on just like different topics i love exploring i love talking to people i love learning new stuff and how cool would it be to put that in documentary form doesn't have to be long like 15 20 25 minute documentaries on just different topics of like hey why do certain things happen what's the deal um i think that'd be super cool And again, just like grow to be a better human over and over, rinse repeat. And um I'd also like to break 90. Are you into playing golf? Fucking break 90. Have fun with that. Feel real good about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's not rocket science, man. It's just all you gotta do is uh all you gotta do is score five on every hole. (laughs) Like that's it. that 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 comes out to 90. Um So I mean, that's basically it. Um, I'm gonna let you guys get back to your lives, your wives, your families, et cetera. I appreciate you guys coming on. This is one of my favorite episodes every year. I never intended when I asked you guys to do a head trash episode the first time for us, for this to be a thing. Um, but thanks for coming on. Thank you for making millennial manhood special. Everybody that's listened, everybody that's come on. I love you guys, share it, rate it. Um, and just keep listening. And if you ever need anything, info at manhoodpod.com. Check out manhoodpod.com. I'm working on growing to Instagram, finally. Wow. Um, Instagram's killing me with the algorithm. Like one reel will get like 5,000 views. The next one will get a five, literally. That's the discrepancy. So I'm try- I'm doing a lot of A-B testing trying to figure out what works. But um, that's of that. Hope you guys have a happy new year. Love you guys. Thank you for coming on and uh, have a good rest of your week.